Chapter 7 Keeping a Low Profile Originally, it was always Jake's plan to slip into the public school routine quietly, with as little fanfare as possible. After the meeting with his father, Natalie, and the superintendent, he thought it would be best to cut a low profile for a while. The lower, the better. He spent about an hour with Natalie immediately after the meeting going over the advanced placement offerings at the school and discussing the ins and outs of independent study. The biggest drawback to independent study, or IS as Natalie called it, was that he wouldn't have too much interaction with other students. In fact, under the current rules, he wasn't even required to be in school at all during the IS periods. The challenge was coming up with a schedule that allowed him to skip coming to school at all on certain days, yet have a full enough schedule to occupy him on the other days. After what seemed to be a lot of back-and-forth negotiating, they settled on a schedule of four AP classes and three IS units. He would be in the AP English, Physics, and Applied Mathematics classes, and he would audit the AP American History class. It would be his option to accept letter grades for the American history class, even though he tested through it already. It was a compromise that Natalie told him would make Stan happy, especially if he accepted letter grades and got straight A's. For his IS selections, he chose military history, astronomy, and political science. After consulting with the admissions department at Berkeley and confirming that he would receive full college credit for his selections, Natalie supplied Jake with several course syllabi from the college classes. His weekly schedule would alternate between three days of AP and two days of IS, and three days of IS and two days of AP, allowing him two or three days each week when attendance was optional. Jake was thrilled with the schedule, and Natalie was happy that he was happy. He was eager to begin immediately, but since the end of the day was nearing, she convinced him to go home and start the next day. He called his father and arranged to be picked up in town in a couple of hours. Natalie gave him a hall pass and encouraged him to explore the campus to figure out where his classes were and generally familiarize himself with his new school. As he wandered through the hallways looking for his locker, he reminded himself to keep a low profile. He would be polite, he would speak when spoken to, and would smile a little, but not too much. He didn't want to be creepy. Unfortunately for Jake's plan, Jeremy Peterson, a senior jock and general dick, had other ideas. Jeremy was the star running back on the football team, and he was also the starting point guard on the basketball team. The fact that he was such a big shot at the school had a lot less to do with his actual talent, and everything to do with the fact that the school was out in the middle of nowhere, and it was all they could do to field a team of any kind. To listen to him talk, though, You'd think that he was going to be a Heisman Trophy winner at a Big Ten school as a freshman. Deep down, he knew that his talent was average at best compared to the true high school stars in the state, but he convinced himself that being the biggest fish in the pond, no matter how small the pond itself was, entitled him to certain rights and privileges. His favorite privilege, which he considered to be a God-given right, was the ability to be a bully. The administration wouldn't dare discipline him for fear of losing their star athlete. Of course, the fact that his father was a wealthy attorney with considerable clout in the district politics didn't hurt either. In fact, his father was one of the biggest supporters of one Stan Pulaski, district school superintendent.
So when Jeremy saw the gawky-looking Jake Porter counting lockers to find the one Natalie had assigned, he knew that he had found a new victim, someone he was sure he could intimidate and embarrass. He smiled to himself as the bell rang, and he set off on a leisurely stroll down the hall, where he would let the new kid know who was boss. As students filled the hallway, talking excitedly at the end of the day, Jeremy's smile widened when he saw his favorite victim, Peter Carson. His smile widened even more when he realized that Peter's locker was but a few over from the new kids. It was like a classic two for the price of one for Jeremy. His day had gotten infinitely better in just a few precious seconds. Jake was spinning his combination lock, trying to get his locker open, when somebody behind him tapped him on the shoulder and said, Uh, hi. It, it's kind of tricky to get the hang of it. Jake turned and saw Peter standing there smiling. Uh, I'm Peter, he said, extending his hand. Jake looked him in the eye and shook his hand. This was a strange kid, Jake thought. He was completely hairless. No hair on his head, arms, hands, no eyebrows, and not even an eyelash. Strange indeed. Jake tried not to stare, keeping his gaze on Peter's dark green eyes. Uh, I'm Jake, thanks, Jake said standing to one side and allowing Peter access to the locker. Peter kicked the locker on the lower right-hand corner and then took a step back. Try it now, he said. Jake spun the dial, lifted the handle, and to his happy surprise, the locker opened. His happiness was short-lived, however, as a large hand slammed the locker shut, almost catching Jake's hand. Jake spun around and saw Jeremy hulking there with an evil grin. Jake also noticed that Peter flinched and lowered his head, trying to slide away from Jeremy unnoticed. What the hell, dude? Jake asked. That's my locker, dickweed, Jeremy challenged. Uh, I don't think so. Leave him alone, Jeremy, Peter said, shrinking back as he said it. Nobody asked you, freak, Jeremy shot back. By now, a small crowd was gathering. What's your problem, Jake asked, not sure what was going on. He had never seen a bully in action before. My problem is you. Seriously, dude? You're making a mistake, Jake said, growing tired of Jeremy. He turned his back and started working the combination again. Don't turn your back on me, Jeremy said while grabbing Jake's shoulder and turning him back to face him. Jake looked Jeremy in the eye and took a deep breath. He looked over in Peter and saw that the kid was petrified. He noticed the crowd pressing closer for a better view of the impending fight. Okay, Jake started, looking quite bored. You have my attention. Now what do you want? Peter was slowly sliding closer to Jake, trying to offer a little bit of emotional support, a fact not lost on Jake or Jeremy. Get lost, freak, before I kick your ass, he screamed at Peter a little too desperately. Seriously, dude, Jake said, scoffing. Are you even for real? What did you say? You heard me. You're being a total dick for no reason. Did you just call me a dick? Uh, yeah. I guess when you put it that way, I did. I have no idea who you are, but if you don't move away from me, this is not going to end well for you. Jake moved his left leg back slowly and shifted his weight so that he was balanced. He could see the veins in Jeremy's forehead pulsing. 
Jeremy stammered. Who the hell do you think you are talking to me like that? You're about to get your head slammed into that locker. Jeremy balled his hands into fists and leaned forward in his most menacing stance. Who am I? Jake asked rhetorically. I'm pretty sure I'm the guy that's going to embarrass you in front of all these people if you don't step back the hell away from me, Jake said, never letting his eyes leave Jeremy's. Jeremy was a big guy, fully six inches taller than Jake and much more muscular, but Jake wasn't worried. Jeremy's stance was all wrong for a physical confrontation. If Jeremy lunged at Jake now, all Jake would have to do is take a half step forward and to his left, deflect with his forearm, and sweep Jeremy's legs out from under him. His voice was calm, controlled, and non-threatening. Peter felt the blood rushing to his face as his heart rate skyrocketing. He had seen this before, and Jeremy had never been on the losing end. You're dead, mother! Jeremy screamed as he lunged towards Jake. Before he could complete the insult, he was looking at the ceiling on his way to the floor. Jeremy had lunged, exactly as Jake had predicted, and his move worked perfectly. Since Jeremy was off-balance and awkward, it was the easiest leg sweep that Jake had ever performed. His judo instructor would have been proud. Jeremy hit the floor with a sloppy-sounding thunk, followed by a loud slapping sound as his bare forearm slapped the smooth-tiled floor. He was lucky that Jake had twisted his body ever so slightly, preventing the back of his head from slamming against the floor. But, as is so often the case with bullies, what should have been the end of the confrontation wasn't. Jeremy rolled up and ran towards Jake again. This time, Jake sidestepped to the left and Jeremy went careening into the row of lockers, where he crumpled but didn't fall. Jake was aware of loud gasps from the crowd as Jeremy regained his balance and turned his head back towards Jake. His eyes were intense with hatred and confusion. Jake could tell that there was no thought behind those eyes, only anger. Dude, I don't want to hurt you, so give it up. Please? Jake asked, voice still calm. Fuck you, Jeremy spat as he lunged at Jake again. This time, Jake stepped back, allowing a looping punch to pass in front of his face. In another lightning-quick move, Jake stepped to the side and pushed Jeremy in the direction of his punch, causing him to lose his balance and stumble to the ground in front of the crowd. At this point, there was no more logical thought in Jeremy's brain. Jake realized this, and he knew that sooner or later he would need to hit Jeremy since nobody seemed to be helping put an end to this. Jake abandoned his calm voice and stood in a very fierce stance and said firmly, Stop now, or I will hurt you. Jeremy turned his head and faced Jake, but he was all in at this point. He saw the faces of the people he'd been victimizing for years, and somehow he knew that if he didn't put this new kid down, his reign of terror would be over. This was something that was simply unacceptable to Jeremy. He ran towards Jake again with his right hand curled into a fist and cocked for what he hoped would be a decisive blow. The crowd had closed in and Jake didn't have much room to maneuver to his left, the direction he would have preferred. But there was ample room to his right, and when Jeremy was within striking distance, Jake took a quick step forward and to the right with his right foot. By closing the distance, he hoped that Jeremy would fire off a punch, which would again be off-balance and awkward. Jake was right on all counts, and as soon as he saw the fist launch at him, he squatted down low, 
deflected the punch up into the air above him, and brought his left hand up into Jeremy's ribs. This immediately stopped Jeremy's momentum, and Jake completed the move by pulling Jeremy down over his knee. This time, Jeremy was not as lucky with his landing. His head slammed on the ground hard enough to make the crowd gasp again. The fact that Jake still had a hold of his shirt probably prevented Jeremy from suffering a concussion, or worse. As Jeremy was falling to the ground, Mrs. Albertson was pushing her way through the assembled students. She saw Jeremy hit the ground and was immediately by his side. What did you do? she shouted at Jake. She was very scared as she looked down at Jeremy. She had seen him hit the ground and knew that his head had hit the floor hard. The fact that he was not moving was definitely not a good sign. In reality, Jeremy's immobility was due more to the punch to the ribs, which knocked the wind out of him, than to the blow to the head. Of course, he was also completely and totally embarrassed by getting such a public beating, and the brief period of rest allowed him to gather what little remained of his thoughts. He was going to milk it for everything it was worth. It wasn't Jake's fault, came a voice from the crowd. It was Peter. Soon there were other voices piping in. Yeah, there was nothing he could do. That bully Jeremy started it and wouldn't leave him alone. It was self-defense. The intensity began to grow within the crowd, and soon it was a cacophonous roar. Natalie was trying to talk to Jeremy to assess his condition, but soon she couldn't hear her own voice over the noise. Quiet, she yelled, trying to restore order. Quiet! Several other teachers appeared at her side, and one pulled out a phone and dialed 911. The others started to disperse the crowd, but they didn't leave quietly. Jake could hear the comments in his defense and began to grow again as the students tried to explain what had transpired. There were also a lot of people asking who Jake was. Nobody had ever seen him before. Jake desperately wanted to apologize to Mrs. Albertson, but she was focused solely on Jeremy and didn't even look Jake's way. Jeremy who had kept his eyes closed to perpetuate the ruse that he was more seriously injured than he actually was, finally opened his eyes and saw the concerned look on Mrs. Albertson's face. Uh, I'm okay, Mrs. Albertson, he said. You just stay still, Jeremy. The paramedics will be here in a few minutes, Natalie assured him. This sent him into a panic. In his mind, he saw himself being immobilized with that ridiculous neck brace thing and then being wheeled through the halls like an invalid. When he felt himself being helplessly pulled to the ground for the second time, he knew that things were bad for him. But he took a slight bit of comfort in thinking that the worst of it was over. Now, he was just beginning to realize how much worse it would get. He struggled against Mrs. Albertson's hold on him. I'm fine! Let me up! he yelled. One of the other teachers, Mark McManus, who taught English, heard his scream and came over to help Natalie hold him still. Just relax, Jeremy, Mark said in a very soft, very patronizing voice. But his grip on Jeremy's shoulder was very firm, effectively pinning him in place. Now that Jeremy was under control, Natalie turned her attention to Jake. She was not pleased with her new, formerly favorite genius. You, she said, pointing at Jake, come with me. Jake sheepishly followed her to her office. Curiously, about 30 other students followed them. As they neared the administration complex, Natalie turned around and saw the other students that had been following. She stopped and walked towards them. And what do you think you all are doing? 
Peter, who was at the front of the group, spoke first, and apparently he spoke for the group. Uh, we're going to hang with Jake to make sure he doesn't get in trouble for defending himself and for defending me, he said. Natalie was a little shocked by this. Peter was normally very shy and quiet. He now seemed to speak with a certain confidence and an air of righteousness. Natalie started to say something, but she could see that the other students were equally resolute. This was not an argument that she was likely to win. So she turned back around and headed into the office. Peter and his posse of students stood outside the door. Once in the safety of her office, Natalie's apparent look of disappointment instantly transformed into something else, something that Jake was unprepared for. She saw that he was about to say something, and she simply put her index finger to her lips. He remained silent as she took a deep breath. Jake, that's quite a first day you've had, huh? She smiled. Unsure of what to do, Jake let himself grin a little. We have a zero-tolerance policy for violence here, Jake. You're going to have to be suspended. Do you understand that? Uh, no, ma'am, I don't understand that at all. You say you have this zero-tolerance policy, but it seems to me by the way he was acting that this policy doesn't apply to Jeremy. Natalie was not used to being spoke to in such a direct manner by a student and she felt the hairs on the back of her neck begin to stand up. Then she remembered this was Jake, not an ordinary student. One of the things she liked about him was his manner of speaking directly and honestly. Jeremy is well aware of the policy, Jake. You're wrong about that. <laughs> I doubt it, Jake said under his breath. I beg your pardon, young man, Natalie said with a little more force than she intended. I mean no disrespect, Mrs. Albertson, but he didn't hesitate to try to punch my lights out. And by the way, Peter was cowering. This obviously wasn't the first time. Jake paused and looked directly into Natalie's eyes. Natalie noticed and appreciated the fact that Jake's gaze was intense, but without malice. Am I right or wrong about that? he asked. I can't tell you that you're right, Jake. There are certain privacy concerns when it comes to discussing other students' disciplinary records, she said carefully. Can you tell me that I'm wrong? Jake spoke carefully, more like a co-conspirator than an enemy. Natalie looked at Jake and her face softened. She almost grinned. I can't say that you are or are not wrong. As she said the words, she shook her head ever so slightly. Jake understood. So what should I do now? Well, I'll need you to write up a statement of the events exactly as they occurred. Can you do that for me? Sure. Now? Yes. Why don't you get started while I talk to some of the other witnesses? Natalie left Jake in her office and walked out to where the gaggle of students had swelled to almost 50. Peter? She called over the dull roar of the students. Peter? Peter stepped forward. Yes, Mrs. Albertson? Would you come with me, please? Peter followed her into an office a short distance from her own, and he told her what happened. When he had finished, Natalie looked down at her notes. I'll need you to take a few minutes to write this down for me. Can you do that for me, please? Sure. And he started writing. Natalie repeated this with ten other students, and by the time Sheriff Parker arrived on the scene, 
they were all writing virtually identical statements. The rest of the students remained outside the offices, waiting their turn. Sheriff Parker walked right into Natalie's office and removed his handcuffs from his belt as he approached Jane. Natalie, who had been sitting at her desk, jumped up, ran around to the front of her desk, and stood between Jake and Sheriff Parker. And what do you think you're doing, Sheriff? she asked. Uh, I have a report of assault and battery. I understand that Jake Porter is the perp, and I intend to arrest him. Please step aside. Jake was scared. He had heard about Sheriff Parker's reputation and was well aware of the altercation that occurred between him and his father. Do you intend to investigate before you arrest him? She challenged. Are you telling me how to do my job? Do I need to? Natalie wasn't backing down something that started to rankle the sheriff. Sheriff Parker laughed. No, you do not, Natalie. And if you continue to interfere with me, I will arrest you too. Natalie put her hands out, wrists together, and closed the distance. Be my guest. The person who is guilty of assault and battery is Jeremy, not Jake. She gestured to the stack of papers on her desk. And those are ten eyewitness statements that all say that Jeremy attacked Jake and that Jake simply defended himself. Sheriff Parker looked at the stack of papers and then looked back at Natalie. She didn't budge. That's not the information I have, he said softly. Then you are misinformed, Sheriff. Did you see that group of students outside the office? Yes, I did. Well, they are all eyewitnesses, and they are all waiting for their turn to write up their statements, which I expect will mirror these, she said again gesturing to the stack of statements on her desk. When the sheriff said nothing, she put her wrists together again and walked up to the sheriff. So are you going to arrest us? The sheriff answered by hanging the handcuffs back on his belt. I guess it can wait. May I take these, he asked. Yes, you may. I've already made copies, and if you like, I'll fax over the others when they're ready. Uh, that won't be necessary. If it's all the same to you, I think I'll do it anyway, Sheriff. Whatever, he said as he was turning for the door. Yes, Sheriff, whatever. And then the Sheriff was gone. Natalie took a deep breath and looked at Jake, who smiled at her. You're a bit of a smart aleck yourself, Mrs. Albertson, Jake said with pride. Natalie raised her eyebrow and looked at Jake. Oh, no, he didn't just come into my office to arrest one of my students without even checking his facts, she said with all the attitude she could muster. Oh, no, he didn't. As Jake laughed at this new side of his new favorite adult, Natalie broke into a big grin and sat down. She began to laugh along with Jake, and she realized that she definitely liked this kid. She would be filling out forms and writing reports all night long, but with the statements from the other students, she was very sure that she could avoid suspending Jake. She'd deal with Jeremy and his father another time. For now, she would just enjoy the moment. And what a moment it was.